Football Social Daily with German Donner Kebab. Kebabs done right every time. This is Football Social Daily, a daily Premier League show bringing you the latest news, views and opinions from the top flight of English football. Make sure you've clicked subscribe or follow in whatever it is you use to listen to this show because there is a fresh show every single day of the season. We'll even be doing a few through the summer months as well, particularly with the Euros on the way. I'm Jim Salverson, and in the Sports Social Studio with me today, we've got Niall McCorn. Hey. And we've got Marley Anderson. Hello. So today we're going to talk James Madison after Brendan Rodgers suggested that the press are trying to stitch up Leicester City's star midfielder. I'm going to ask, are we expecting too much from our young Premier League stars? The transfer window may have only just shut, but we're already talking about summer arrivals. There are some exciting names being linked with the league, particularly when it comes to Chelsea and Manchester United. And speaking of Manchester United, the legendary team of 99 is being compared a lot recently to Liverpool's current team. But can they be compared? Certainly Sky Sports think they can. They come up with a combined 11, which is raising a few eyebrows. I'll get the boys' views on that very shortly. But first, a review. Hey. Well, not so much a review, more of a question point, Ooh. actually, but in the form of a review. And if you want to leave us a review, whichever podcasting app you use, and A, we'd love that, and B, you might get a little shout-out on the show, just like Mo2020 is getting now. It's a five-star review from Mo, who's responded to our chat the other day about Jurgen Klopp not turning up to manage his team against Shrewsbury in the FA Cup. Here's what he says. He says, Klopp and LFC are focused on one thing only, and that's lifting the EPL trophy at the end of the season. Nothing else should matter. After all, we've waited 30 years for this and we're so close. No disrespect! He's put that in capitals. Intended. Someone had to make a point and stick up for the players as we have so many unnecessary games. The winter break is much needed. So, Mosoing sticking up for Liverpool there a little bit. Does he have a point that they should just focus on the Premier League? He's got no No. point and he's wrong. Sorry, Mo, love you. Thanks (laughs) for the review, but you're wrong. To be fair, I think Liverpool fans see it very much from Jurgen Klopp's point of view. I think we, as football fans in a wider context, particularly me, someone who supports a lower league team, Mm. I think I see it more from Shrewsbury's point of view. The fact that Shrewsbury lost money and everyone's talking about all the clubs should look after each other and I understand there's a selfishness in this because Liverpool want to win the title for the first time in 30 years. And it's Jurgen Klopp's job to deliver that. That is the thing he has to do. And it's Jurgen Klopp's job to manage the football club. That, like Marley said on the podcast when we were talking about it at the time, it was a Liverpool first-team fixture. Mm. It wasn't a checker-trade game, an under-23s game. It was a Liverpool football club, first-team, FA Cup game at Anfield. So why wasn't he there? He wanted, he wanted to go on the beers, that, have a few glasses of the, wine with his wife. That's, the that's the what that it was. Me. Players, fair enough. And he doesn't is, need a winter break. He's not no, been running no. around constantly for but the last he, six he, months. He also his said, arms are tired from hugging everyone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he also said that if you don't understand why I need a break, then you don't understand the intricacies of man management in a football club, which... Well, yeah, that's course, why you get paid to do it, pal, it, and we it, don't. Exactly, of course. And, and there are and, people who do more intense jobs than Jurgen Klopp and don't get a two-week break. Do you think the physio had a two-week off? Oh, I'm sure he didn't. The physio probably had to be there to make sure that the under-23s players were in... Good Nick. Do you think the docs have got the time off? No. No one gets... No. I mean, this is the thing. And we'll probably talk about it and touch upon it a bit later on when we talk about James Madison. Everyone has their own opinions on what footballers should and shouldn't do. Mm. Jurgen Klopp's made the decision. The only thing is, is he's got 
a reason to make that excuse because of the conflict between the Premier League's decision and the FA's decision. And actually now it's making me consider, and it has done for the last couple of months, who's actually running the game? Who's actually running the English game? Is it the FA or is it the Premier League? Well, the Premier League is a business and the FA are an organisation. The FA are a slave to the Premier League. It's got to that point. It's got to that point now where football clubs have got so powerful that the actual governing bodies and organisations have become Mm. irrelevant, really. And they kind of have to pander to everything that the football clubs want because if they don't, then there's threatens of breakaways and all sorts. Yeah, and within that, you've got the big clubs who can hold the Premier League to account, like do what we want to do, otherwise... We're leaving. We're going to go and form a European Mm. Super League and take a load of your revenue with you. It's a really weird scenario at the moment. And you can see both points of views from Liverpool's point of view and from Shrewsbury's point of view. The, the, the main issue is that they've just ballsed up the winter break. They haven't done it properly. They should have just gone, right, from these periods of time, for these two weeks, these one weeks, there will be no football or, at all. Or just win your FA Cup game against Shrewsbury <laughs> yeah. and you don't have to play the bloody replay. Yeah. That would have been a good thing to do in the first place. But we're retreading old ground slightly. Let's stick with Liverpool but move on to Sky Sports' comparison of Liverpool's 20 team, which feels like the best way to refer to them, and Manchester United's 99. The combined 11 they've come up. I'll run through the 11 very quickly. I'm not going to go through the subs. You'll be relieved to hear. (laughs) Uh, Schmeichel in goal, Alexander-Arnold, Yapstam, Virgil van Dijk and Robertson at the back. Then a four-man midfielder, David Beckham, Paul Scholes, Roy Keane and Ryan Giggs. No Liverpool players getting a look in there. Mo Salah and Sadio Mane up front. So there's some notable absentees there. Gary Neville, no Jordan Henderson, who has been tipped to be Premier <laughs> League player of the season. So how is he not making it into a combined eleven? Because he's, he's not as good as Keenar Scholes, is he, though? Andy Cole misses out. No Roberto Firmino either. And uh, obviously no Jonathan Greening, cruelly overlooked for his three substitute appearances in that 1990. Shocker. So what do you, what do you guys make of this combined um, eleven? Is it a good shout? Have they done a reasonable job putting it together? It's content filling on a slow week, is what it is. <laughs> yeah. um, this has come from Marley, who spent his entire week filling our social media with <laughs> content. I've, I've been in this position a lot. And when you're looking at our socials and going, that's a bit crap, I'm just, it's hard <laughs> on, a, on a slow week. Um, it's just one of them, isn't it? Like, you can't, it, it's just, it always drives debate. And you can't, there's no definitive answer to all opinions. So it's good for them to get the fans involved and get people's backs up by, you know, putting Alexander Arnold over Neville, which for me is the biggest travesty of the of the entire team. Completely different players, though, at the same time. It's like they do different jobs. It's why these combined 11s never really work, is because mm. the players that are competing for, like, so you look at Salah and Mane up front and you compare them to Andy Cole missing out or. Sharing them would it yeah. have been would have been another player and it's like they're completely they play in different positions they play in different ways it's very hard to yeah, compare apples and oranges they've done it in a four four two as well and you could certainly argue that neither Mane or Salah yeah. play in a two man up front team so if you're going to play two up front why wouldn't you play Cole and York who are the most one of the most prolific partnerships in Premier League history so yeah. you know there's there's that um, Neville over Trent is gets me I think like I don't know how you can you can make the case for Trent Alexander-Arnold when it's been proven time and time again he cannot defend <laughs> he just can't defend so like he can attack like he's practically having a, a number 10 at right back he's, his delivery is amazing and what have you like fair enough mm. but defensively he's he's suspect mm. and in a in a team as good and as attacking as Liverpool then fine you know you can afford that 
especially when you've got Van Dyke covering you and Gomez, who are fantastic. Mm. But like Neville was the more probably he doesn't get the props he deserves because he was just solid. He wasn't he wasn't spectacular at any given moment. But in terms of who you'd want in your team, you know exactly what you can get for him from him. And it was usually a seven or eight out of ten rather than sometimes a ten and sometimes a three. Mm. Something like that. So there's there's what I think the midfielders haven't really got a chance from Liverpool. Um, that midfield from Man United is probably one of the best of all time. Apart from um, David Beckham, he's hugely overrated. No, <laughs> see, I don't think he is. Put that out there. I don't think he is. But yeah, no one from Liverpool was going to knock him out of that team. This current Liverpool team, because again, they played the four four two, and there's no right right midfielder in Liverpool's four four two because Salah's up front in this team somehow. Yeah. So. Do you know what I think? I can see the Alexander Arnold Neville annoyance there but I, I mean the one that's kind of sticking out to me is Mo Salah two seasons ago he was unbelievable he scored 40 goals mm. in one season last season very 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 good this season not been as good but that's it isn't it he's not why been, is he in the team he's not been as good as previous seasons uh, well, I don't understand he's been still been very very good yeah but this is about the team that won the treble for Manchester United in 1999 and the team that's most likely going to win the league for Liverpool in 2020 mm. And I don't think Salah has been Liverpool's best attacker this season. I, I think, think he's been out of the three. I think he's been the third I think Firmino's been absolutely superb I think Firmino this and Mane have both been better than Salah this season. And I don't think any Liverpool fans will argue with me with that. And uh, I'd, be, I'd, absolutely, I'd be stunned if anyone does. Mane I, and I Salah wouldn't look as good without Firmino in that I, team. I think Firmino's been the worst of the three. Wow, okay. I just think he, he's kind of... Just he, because. He has the he most difficult he, job out of the three. He doesn't he score the, enough. But that, that's not as much of his job as he's holding like the glue, up the ball and he? bringing in the other players. Yeah. I know he's like a false nine, but however, I'd still want more goals from him. Like, that's that's just my opinion <laughs> on it. But, you know, he has been great in, in, in certain games. He's been absolutely unplayable. But in terms of the overall mm. thing, they get a lot of cross um, goals from crosses. And I think if they had a, a proper a number nine poacher style in there, I think that he, he would score more goals. But... The, Bring back Peter as a, Crouch. As a consequence, yeah, the uh, the wingers would get less. So obviously, that's why Firmino's perfect for Liverpool. But mm. I don't know. It's, it's a moot point, isn't it? They're both they're all mint. Oh, well, there you go. In the last five minutes, we managed to call Mo Salah, oh. Robert Firmino, and David Beckham all overrated. I was going <laughs> to annoy some more Liverpool fans there <laughs> by saying I think this team that Sky have picked, the fact it's in a four four two, I think this just basically shows that they think the Manchester United team of ninety nine is better. So the idea that we are comparing a Liverpool side which today, at this present time, haven't Hasn't won, won anything. anything. <laughs> They've yeah. won the Champions League, but this they haven't season, won the league season, yet. They haven't won anything yeah. this season. And we're comparing them with one of the most legendary Premier, Premier League teams, teams yeah. of all time. And let's let's not forget United. as well, all that Man United team, they all won the FA Cup in 99, which means they could be bothered turning up for it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, does it feel like the media... And Sky in particular, potentially, heap too much praise on Liverpool as a team, as an entity. And Pep Guardiola called this. He said in his press conferences previously that there is a media bias towards Liverpool when you compare it to maybe the treatment of Manchester City. Do we believe that or is it just for tinfoil hat wearing City fans? I think when you break it down into fundamentals... The job of journalists is to write stories, not only to report the news, but there is always an element of you need to sell papers. Mm. If papers don't get sold, if you don't get clicks on your website, you're going to be out of a job. And it's a very brutal and harsh reality, as we all know, working in football media. And I think that it's more of a story 
for the wider world and for the Premier League world and particularly football fans where Liverpool, this giant of a football club, who have been massively underachieving for 30 years. Mm. And aside from the two Champions Leagues they've won in that time, and I don't want to knock those achievements because I think the Champions League is an incredible trophy to win. They haven't won a league for 30 years. It's staggering, absolutely staggering how a club who has been that dominant in terms of English and British teams in Europe, but not won a league title since 1990. I think it just makes a better story. I mean, it's the gap between them doing it in 90 and the gap between them doing it now. I think that's the reason why there's more clamour around Liverpool at the moment. I don't want to say Manchester City's achievements aren't haven't been as good, but for Manchester City to win a third league in the ro- in a row isn't as an isn't an exciting a story as it is Liverpool mm. 30 years later winning the trophy. So, I think that is probably where this kind of whole Liverpool agenda thing comes from. I yeah, I'd agree with that to be honest. Um I some I do think there's a little bit of substance in how Liverpool have portrayed this this season in particular. Um, amongst Man City fans, I know that a lot of them say, "Oh, you know, why they're getting stuff that we're not in terms of like good shake from the from the media kind of thing." Um, but it's it's kind of, it's similar to what Niall said. It's they're just the new thing, so they are mm. going to run with them. Like if Liverpool then made it boring and like Leicester came up or something, they'd be like, "Oh my God, look at Leicester!" And it, it would be it'd be slightly different. Or if Man United came back and and relaunched that rivalry and became you know a genuine top two contender with with all these like new signings and new manager or whatever yeah. you know it'd be mm. a, a new era and a, a new rivalry like it was man united arsenal then it was probably man united chelsea yeah. and it was man city um it's just the story yeah it's just yeah it's just how how football works it's it's the, yeah. the latest cycle but we're at the beginning of the liverpool sort of cycle where everything's like exciting and new and we're almost at the end of the man city one in terms of like the things that are happening have, have happened before. They've already won two mm. league titles in a row. Yeah, they've, won, they've won every domestic trophy. The only it, new thing they can do is win the Champions League. Yeah, if Liverpool are halfway through next season, top of the Premier League, you'll start seeing the media go after Liverpool. You just will. Because we. I think it's a cultural thing in this country. I don't know whether oh, of course you yeah. guys agree, yeah, but we kind of have this thing of knocking people off of their perch. Oh, yeah. we, we absolutely love it. Yeah. Manchester City are on the perch. Liverpool are going to come and knock them off. It's the same in politics. It's the same with people in positions of power or celebrities. Everyone's looking for that opportunity to knock them off their perch because people in this country, in Britain, love a bit of drama. Mm. And, you know, this is, a, this is a story in which a team's coming up and taking the reins. And, you know, Liverpool, if they win it again for the next couple of years, trust me, the media will be coming after them. Before we move on from the Liverpool chat, I just want to raise a story. Have you guys seen this? The clamour from a group of Liverpool fans to re-sign Steven Gerrard so he can have a Premier League winner's medal. Well, what started off as a little bit of talk on social media has got so serious that Chief Executive Peter Moore from Liverpool has had to speak out and address the issue. (laughs) And he basically said, as we all know, it's not going to happen. But he raised the points that if you were going to re-sign Steven Gerrard, to have him back in the Premier League team so he got a winner's medal, you'd have to cut someone from the Liverpool squad. So you'd have to kick someone out of that Liverpool squad. <laughs> sorry, he's Adrian Lovren. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which would be absolutely brutal. So sorry, Liverpool fans. 
it ain't happening. It's not happening. Also, I'm sure you have to play a certain amount of games. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure he's got the Rangers manager job, uh, manager's <laughs> yeah, job at the minute. Yeah. They would be kind of annoyed. He's a little bit busy. <laughs> I guarantee if this was a petition on Twitter or something, I guarantee absolutely zero season ticket holders at Anfield signed this. Mm. This is 100% a football Twitter oh, yeah. thing yeah. which someone's what? made up. He's not got a Premier League's medal because he didn't win the Premier League. doesn't deserve a Premier League's medal because <laughs> he didn't win the Premier League. <laughs> Suck it up, Stevie G. Right, we're going to take a little bit of a break and before we do that on tomorrow, Morris podcast. It is Valentine's Day, so A, we're going to all be doing the podcast naked, and B, we're going to talk about football's greatest Are ever we? couples. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't tell you this. Is it too uh, late to tender my <laughs> resignation? Well, the last time I came in here naked, I got told off and I was in an HR meeting. So. <laughs> <laughs> we are going to talk about football's greatest couples, the bromances and partnerships on the field, and we want your nominations. So Gary Neville and David Beckham, Shearer and Sutton, Harry Redknapp and Nico Cranchar. Tell us who you think is football's greatest partnership and why. You can do it now via our social media accounts the sports social on twitter is at the sports social you can search the sports social on facebook and find us there let us know what you think should be included we're going to talk about it on tomorrow's podcast and we'll be back in a minute on football social daily after this football social daily with german doner kebab now 40 restaurants across the uk find out where at german Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. So the transfer window may have only just closed, but there are already rumours as to who might be coming into the Premier League this summer. Two exciting big names are being linked with a move to the EPL. They are Jaden Sancho and Hakim Zajacek. Am I saying that right? <laughs> no. So, no, go on. Shocking. <laughs> For a change. Shockingly. Do I, do I even need to ask? Hakim Ziyech. There we go. Uh, yeah. Let's start with the former. There, It's been revealed that Sancho is going to be leaving Dortmund in the summer. The Premier League is the most likely destination. And the favourites to sign him right now, apparently, according to the media, are Manchester United. Now, Marley, I know you've got a view oh, particularly on why Jadon Sancho should not go to Manchester United. Yeah. Why? <laughs> that's that's my view on it. Why would oh, you He go? loves Europa League football. I ju- exactly. I just don't understand. There's no... There's no reason for him to consider Man United as a well, two hundred fifty thousand reasons a week. He's only he's only on hundred ninety. Mm. It's not that much more. Like in terms of like, what is sixty grand when you've already earning hundred ninety? You're not affected by the price of money. Like you can't buy, you can you can't really buy something for two hundred fifty that you can't for one ninety. There's very <laughs> few things. There's very few cars that fall into that little gap. <laughs> Like oh crap, that new Lamborghini's two hundred and twenty. I've got to, I've got to have that. I'll save up for an extra week. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's like what's I just don't. There's nothing. There's no pull from Man United at this moment in time, except a potential rebuild. Like we might get back to where we were. That's what we're trying to do. Whereas, for example, Liverpool or Man City could go. Like, look, we're right at the top of the league. We're we're fighting it out. We're one of the. Um, Favourites for the Champions League every year. Liverpool can say we went the entire season unbeaten so far. We want you in the summer to make us even better. We won the Champions League last year. We're in the Champions League quarter final, second round this season. Come to us. That's a much stronger case than Solskjaer, who isn't fully sure of his um, of his future. I think they're eighth in the league at the minute. They're thirty odd points off Liverpool at the top. They're not competitive. They're getting beat by. Everyone, um, sort of, you know, like everyone's having a good go at them. No, there's no sort of fear factor anymore. Um, 
And as I, I've, we've talked about it last time when we were speculating if, if he moved, I mean, now it's sort of been confirmed by Sky Germany that he will move uh, this summer. So he is on, the, he does seem to be going. And the last time we talked about it, you know, I, we we said about, I wrote that article about why would why would he go, mm. um, which I reposted yesterday on, on the social medias. Um, and the the point still the points are still there like he grew up in an era where man united weren't dominant he grew up where chelsea were sort of taking over in the early 2000s when he's having his first um memories of football yeah. they've got the same prestige yeah to him as a young player yeah if you like yeah he was what was he 10 when manchester united last won the league yeah something so, like that i mean we're we're all of the, sort of the age where us growing up uh, jimmy you're a bit older than us but <laughs> You know, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, Man United were the dominant ones. Like I grew up um, with Man United conquering everything, and that's where their their standing now comes mm. from. But kids that are ten years younger than me, Jaden Sancho is eight years younger than me. If you go back, if you think about what he's seen growing up, he's seen this amazing Chelsea side under Jose Mourinho. Didn't didn't um, concede many goals, signed everyone. Uh, paid them all huge wages and walked the Premier League mm. in that um, in that sort of 2003-2004 sort of season where the uh, sorry like five six season where they they killed everyone basically so and he's a London kid as well he's born in London he think he came through QPR's academy was it okay um, for City obviously yeah and it was Watford uh, was Watford. it Watford yeah. sorry yeah mm. um, it was Sterling QPR wasn't it yeah um, yeah Sancho so he came through. In London, then he moved to Man City when he was about fifteen or something. So he's he's not a northern lad. Mm. He could he could he could well go back to Chelsea. You mentioned Chelsea. I mean, they've been linked. Liverpool have been linked. Man City a return there has <coughs> been suggested. Manchester United we talked about. Real Madrid, Barcelona. It's a who's who of big spending football clubs. If you're going to have a tenner, Nile, where would you stick it on him going? Back to Man City. I think Man City makes a lot of sense. Back to Man City for me. Um, the only thing that will sway that, I think it is between Chelsea and Manchester City, and that's not to disrespect Manchester United, but I kind of try to keep an eye on, on as much as I can, the European press and what they report. Because mm. it's very interesting to compare what the English press report and what the European press report. Yesterday, Sky Germany were reporting that English sources suggest that Manchester United are keen on Sancho, and English sources were reporting that German sources said that Manchester United were keen on Sancho. So they're both basically quoting each other saying, oh, you're saying this, you're saying this, you're right. saying this. So like I, echo I think, chamber. Yeah, it was an echo chamber, absolutely. However, I think that the Chelsea thing is a possibility, but, I mean, they've got good players already. Hudson-Odoi, Pulisic. Um, I know Sancho probably gets into the team over those two. But for me, Manchester City, I can see... I'm pretty certain... I tweeted about this yesterday. I'm pretty certain Leroy Sane is going to leave Manchester City in the summer. Yeah. I know he's mm-hmm. been out injured all season, but Bayern Munich have been chasing him for ages. Bayern Munich were chasing Callum Hudson-Odoi before that. But if they can get Leroy Sane, um, he's German, he'll fit into Bayern's system well, I think they'll probably pick him up, which means that that leaves a gap for Jadon Sancho to slot straight in there. And I think that Manchester City, someone was mentioning that they might have a first refusal on, on where he goes. There might be something in his Dortmund contract which says he can't go to Manchester United anyway, or if he does go to Manchester United... Supposedly there's a financial They have to stump up more kind, money or yeah. something like that. So, I mean, I think that Sancho will go back to Manchester City. Like what Marley was saying, Chelsea were kind of the dominant force when he was growing up. And then that kind of developed into Manchester City becoming a, a, a strong force and winning multiple Premier Leagues in that time. So I think Sancho to Manchester City would be my tenor if I was laying you know, a bet on that. 
But, you know, Chelsea's never out of the question. When you support someone so ardently, then, um, you know, you're definitely going to have a an interest in signing for them as well. Politically for City, it makes a lot of sense as well because you'd never want to be the club who has let the world-class superstar slip through your fingers, which <laughs> at the moment it appears like they have done. Dortmund signed him for 10 million quid when he went off there a couple of seasons ago. So them signing him back, even though it would cost them a decent wedge to do so, mm. they'll have buyback clause. Well, not necessarily a buyback clause. They'll have money coming back into the club. They'll have a sell-on clause and all that kind of thing. It makes sense politically for them to sign Sancho back as well. I think. Uh, I think you're probably right. What's fascinating for me is the situation with the top four this year. Jaden Sancho has been playing in the Champions League. He's been tearing apart the Bundesliga. I mean, Sancho, interestingly, was keeping Pulisic out of the Dortmund team. Mm. And then Chelsea signed Pulisic. So whether the Chelsea are thinking, well, maybe we can use both of them, I'm not sure you can. I think it was very much for Dortmund, it was one or the other, Sancho or Pulisic. So that's the kind of the seed of doubt in my head about him going to Chelsea. I just think with, with Manchester City, I think he knows the club. He's, he's played there before. You know, he, he kind of came through the ranks there, wasn't really given a chance. Um, I think it's it's easier for him. And also if there's question marks over the futures as well of Raheem Sterling, we've been speaking about possibly him moving on in the summer. I don't know whether that's true. He's certainly hit a bad patch of form, Sterling. But, you know, he, he could he could move on feasibly. So Sancho is an option there for City. I think I think that's the play for me. But... You know, football's got a funny way of surprising you. When you think you know what's going to happen, something else does. So uh, we'll have to wait and see. Sancho's has been a great story this season in his career development at Dortmund. But the bigger story is Dortmund and the way they develop young players in general, which is something that they've been doing for a few years now. We've seen a few superstars pass through there. Uh, Aubameyang, Dembele, Matt Hummels developed at Dortmund as well. Lewandowski was there for a while, wasn't Why he? aren't we seeing this kind of approach being copied by anyone in the Premier League at the moment? This idea of... By investing in a scouting network, investing in youth players, giving them an opportunity to flourish in your first team and then selling them on as a bit of a business model. But also in Dortmund's case, it kind of builds a bit of success as well. I think that there's a lot of teams that want to do that, but there's not. It takes it takes an entire like understanding of everyone, what, what, the, what the, um, the philosophy is going to be and how things are going to change. Because if you look at um, Dortmund and to a greater extent, Ajax. Um, they're, they're similar models, but different. As in, Ajax bring them through the youth team, mm. like, only, and then sell them on. Whereas Dortmund buy them probably just out of that youth team. So if when they hit 16, 17, 18, um, even into the early 20s, that's when Dortmund will try and get their, get their guys. And they're quite happy to let them move on in future because then that funds the next batch of, of young players. It's like a conveyor belt. So they know that the Bundesliga is a very good league and it's one where if somebody does very well in you can you can charge a lot of money you can mm. charge upwards of 60 million for for a top top player I mean, i'm sure sancho if if or when he goes will go for over 100 million oh yeah uh, easily um so that the, the proofs in the pudding they've 10 times his uh, times his value by 10 yeah by the time they sell him so it's proof that it that it works and if you've got the scouts and you've got the infrastructure to support that then then great, but I don't think in England because the money is so high that if you get it wrong a couple of summers and a couple of, and all of a sudden you've got this like young core of of a team and they mm. get sucked into a into the the sort of rough and tumble of that lower half of the Premier League. A lot of them maybe wouldn't survive as much because it takes experience, takes a bit of grit and 
good and know how to get out of a situation like that. So is that partly the league's too competitive? Yeah, Maybe, yeah. It's, Premier League's it's a massive risk, and mm-hmm. that's what owners don't really like to gamble on too much. Yeah, that's what I would say. The Premier League's volatile, and I think there's more likelihood of a team in the relegation zone in the Premier League beating someone like Manchester City or Chelsea or whatever than it is, for instance, Paderborn who are bottom of the Bundesliga, beaten Bayern Munich or Leipzig or Dortmund or Mönchengladbach or whoever. Mm. I think it's more likely for you to see an adverse result in the Premier League. And that's why I think it's probably less risky for teams to play younger players and get the most out of them. Certainly, I feel that we have seen evidence of academy systems flourishing in the Premier League in recent years. Not so much in the last few years, but certainly before. And I I don't like giving them credit for it, but you have to say Southampton (laughs) have produced a lot of good players if you look at this Liverpool team now that are winning everything well winning all the games they've not lost a game have they this season a lot of their stars have come from Southampton I mean you look at Van Dijk Mane you know those two are are kind of not well they are they're cornerstones of the team and I'm, I'm probably not even thinking of the others they've signed they signed a few flops mind you but if you look at their squad you know, they've got a lot of players. Wijnaldum come from Southampton? Newcastle, no, Newcastle. Klein came from Southampton. Klein did. Nathaniel I mean, Klein. if you look in the Arsenal team, I think Chambers is playing for Arsenal, or was playing for Arsenal. Luke Shaw, even though he's not having a great season. Luke Shaw, Luke Shaw, Walcott, Walcott, Gareth Bale, yeah. Alan, Alan Shearer. There's a few of them. And, and whether all of them are academy talents or not, I, I'm not 100% because obviously I don't pay close attention to that particular mm. club. But, you know, you have to say that whether it's scouting network and maybe we're seeing the same with Leicester City now, and what they've managed to do, you know, they sold N'Golo Conte, who they signed him from Ligue 2, I think, the second division in France. Yeah. And they brought him in and he helped them win the Premier League and he sold him to Chelsea and now he's a regular for France and a World Cup winner. Yeah, I think I think Leicester are probably the best um, best example of it if you're going to talk about, you know, teams that are doing things similar to Dortmund. I mean, they've signed... Casper uh, Schmeichel's been there for years. Um, he's probably not a great example of it, but you look at Kagla Soyuncu. Mm. I think he was 11 or 12 million from from Freiburg or somewhere mm. like that, some team in Germany. Uh, he's been linked with 60 million moves to Man City, so they, they could potentially increase their profit by 50-odd million for him. They've brought Harvey Barnes through the um, academy, Hamza Chowdhury as well, uh, Ben Chilwell, who's now England's best left-back, I think. I think everyone pretty much would agree with. Um, Jamie Vardy cost him a million quid from Fleetwood. Mm. Um Two years before Fleetwood, I was watching him play for Halifax Town when I was working there, and they had this amazing, like, sort of hyped-up striker who was going to go on to big things, and I never really believed anyone until I seen him play, and I was like, oh, Jesus, this guy's quite good. So he cost him a million quid. If you sold Vardy, well, maybe not now he's 33, but if you sold him even now, he'd get 20 million. So a few years ago, he probably would have got you 30. You look at this. They've the, had the value out of him instead yeah, of on the pitch. Yeah, they? they've they've, mm. they've kept him and, and nurtured him and used him for what he's good at. Um, and now they can sign players like Tielemans for 30, 30 million and Eosie Perez for thirty million. So it works like that. It's all it's all very well run. There you go. Let's see the new Borussia Dortmund. You heard it here first. Uh, let's quickly rattle through these last few stories because I want to have a chat about James Madison before we wrap up the podcast today. Uh, he's tell me about one. yeah, very much so. Tell me about this other young, well, youngish talent that's coming to the Premier League now. I'm not going to try to say his name again. So, attacking midfielder from Ajax. <laughs> Hakim Ziyech. Hakim Ziyech. 21 goals, 24 assists this season. Decent stats, but it's always with that caveat, isn't it, that it's in the Dutch league? Yeah, mm. but it's a fair enough point. Um, this is reported yesterday afternoon, or yesterday lunchtime-ish, by The Telegraph, the Dutch newspaper, who are usually pretty spot on with their Ajax news. 
Um, it's either being reported as a done deal for 38 million or in advanced talks, isn't it? Yeah. It's one of the two. It's, it's going to happen. Like it's, it's going to happen. Yeah. 45 million euros. He's 26. To Chelsea, by the way. We yeah, to Chelsea. That. Sorry. Yeah, he's 26 years old, um, which is probably why they've been able to get him for for 45 million. I think if he was 23 or 22, I think you'd be looking close to 70 for for Ziyech. But the thing is, he's proved in the Champions League and in the Eredivisie that he is capable of producing really special moments and. Um, I, I don't know whether Chelsea are concerned that maybe one of their other players is going to move on. They need a striker. Um, Ziyech isn't strictly a striker, but he certainly has a goal-scoring touch. 79 goals, 87 assists in 213 appearances for Ajax in the Eredivisie. So they're very impressive numbers, regardless of the fact he's probably sort of reaching his peak now. I guess Chelsea are buying a player mm. in their peak. 45 million um, is a good price, considering when you think what 45 million gets you nowadays. Um, and there's no disrespect to either of your two teams, but Joel Linton... <laughs> And Seb Haller, mm. I think really for forty five million for the same price you're saying I'd rather take Ziyech. I think that's a I think I don't think I'm being distasteful there. I think that's a fair comment. So I think it, it's interesting to see where Frank Lampard will fit him in the team. I still think the striker's the priority for well, Chelsea. Is he that we talked earlier about Frank Lampard looking to replace Hazard. They've not really replaced Hazard since he left. Is he the kind of player that can slip into that role no, on that left? I think is Chelsea fans need to different. forget they need to forget the Hazard thing. It's like you can't replace a player like Hazard. He's he's a, he's unique, mm. you know. And you don't sell a player for one hundred million and then sign a player for forty five million who's twenty six and expect them to go on and replicate the same things. They signed Eden Hazard when he was what twenty two something like that twenty one, yeah. And he was there for what seven eight seasons, and f- and he could have moved on way before that. He was Premier League's best player for a couple of seasons. Um, when Jose Mourinho came back to Chelsea, he wasn't as good, but you know Hazard's a very special player, and he could win games on his own. Uh, Ziyech I'm sure could probably win games on his own I've not seen enough of Ajax to, to comment on that particularly in the Dutch league but in the Champions League games we've seen of him working um, in that Ajax unit which uh, you know they've got their team playing really well and obviously we saw it last year they've they've kind of been picked apart now though aren't they that Ajax team of stars um, yeah, Delict and uh, we've said that it? before though De Jong went to Barcelona we've, said, went to we've said that before when there's been talented Ajax teams that they're being but, picked apart they're brilliant, they're, they're, they're brilliant they're, at it they they're just, just regenerate don't they well, they're well, the Doctor Who that's the thing like the, the thing with, with Ajax is they're not one person at Ajax including the fans are bothered that their players go like it's such a unique win it's, it can't be it can't be rec- replicated in in England before anyone sort of thinks oh yeah we'll do that because they've been doing it for years they play Four three three, and they play all that all through every system. Mm. So then, like every sort of youth thing. So they're Ajax, uh, young Ajax, I think they're called, which yeah. is the the reserve team. They play in the second division of Holland, and I think the last time I looked, it was a few weeks ago. They were top of that, but they can't be promoted. So that just mm. proves that they've got the next generation of of amazing players ready to go. I mean, yeah. Just, so once once yeah. you know Delict goes, another centre back comes in, and they just move on. Let's finish on James Madison. Now, this is something that happened last week, was reported in the papers, but Brendan Rodgers has relit the fire underneath the story. James Madison was photographed during the winter break on a bit of a night out in Dubai. Now, Brendan Rodgers has said this week that basically the press are trying to stitch him up and paint a picture of him that maybe isn't true. He said, we're supposedly living in a world where everyone cares. Rubbish. The first thing they do is try and stitch you up. Should James Madison be more careful, essentially, is the question I'm going to ask you, or should we just back off it a little bit when it comes to our young footballers and let them live their lives? As long as they're not doing something that is fundamentally wrong or illegal, let them get on with it. And James Madison has had a night out in a casino. 
Yeah, I mean, the night out in the casino was in uh, October, wasn't it, when he was supposed to be ill for the for the England Euros. game. For the was England. he not? Was this not a casino? He was in, in Dubai. N- uh, I don't know. He was on a night out in Dubai. Okay. I'm not sure whether it was in a casino as well, but certainly just loves a bit of blackjack. He, yeah, he was at. <laughs> he, oh, good game to be fair. He was out and about in the casino when he was supposed to be sort of ill on England duty, yeah. which kind of caused I mean, a bit of a stir, which is understandable. But this, I can understand why Brendan Rodgers has said, "Hang on, what are you talking about in the press?" Because it's the Premier League winter break. Everyone knows that the players are going for this in inverted commas. Regen, you know, sort of recuperative break yeah. where everyone you kind of refresh and recharge your batteries. Madison was probably always going to go on a night out, and do you know what? Uh, probably hundreds of other footballers have gone out on a night out in this winter break. I don't think it's a secret. The thing is, Madison is kind of filling this gap in the media, which Raheem Sterling was a target for for a long time. Of having so- the media need someone to kind of poke yeah. fun at, poke a stick at. And they can't mm. pick a young black player this I was time. Exactly. So they're, they're now going to the uh, yeah. to the white guys because they're like, well, we can't be racist. We haven't <laughs> got a white guy this now. Is yeah. the, this is the thing. And I'm surprised that we haven't seen a nickname for Madison yet. Madders or J-Mads. Mm. You know, we've got J-Lings, Jesse Lingard. We had, you know, Becks. I mean, Be- David Beckham was often accused through his career of being more of a show person and marrying... Victoria Beckham was obviously a, a big question mark from Sir Alex Ferguson about whether he was more ch- interested in chasing the celebrity lifestyle than his achievements on the pitch. I think we're going to see something very similar for, for James Madison, unfortunately. I think the future for him in terms of his relationship with the press is only going to get worse. And I actually fully back Brendan Rodgers on this, saying they they need to leave him alone because yeah. he's just doing what any normal 22-year-old lad would do. As if I had a shed load of money and I went to Dubai mm-hmm. and Brendan Rodgers says, right, lads, you're allowed to go out tonight. You've got two days off. As long as he's I'd not smoking out. cigars and smashing Jaeger bombs and it's affecting his performance. Jack Wilshere then. is a known smoker for West Ham and Arsenal. <laughs> yeah, he not, was caught outside. Not worked brilliantly for him, no, has it? That's not a great, <laughs> not a great example. He's been, caught, in, he's been caught outside nightclubs loads of times. Yeah. So he likes a cigarette. So what? Yeah. Robert Prozanecki, who used to play for Barcelona and Real Madrid, used to smoke 30-odd fags a day and he was still one of the best players on the park every week. You know, Ray Parler loved the beer. Tony Adams loved the beer. They were all very, very good footballers. And I know the game's a lot more professional yeah. now. But allowing a 22-year-old lad... I mean, you can't keep these players confined. It's not going to be any good for their mental health anyway. Mm. I mean, if he wants to go to a nightclub in Dubai, let him go to a nightclub in Dubai. They've not got a game for 10 days. Yeah. I'm sure his hangover won't be a 10-day one. I'm sure yeah. he'll be all right. Yeah, it does get well, frustrating. Back. You can bounce back for anything at 22. You, it, it, <laughs> you know, it's when you hit 26, 27, then you start thinking, I need to slow this down a little bit. These This hangovers last four days now. So People love gossip as well. Oh, yeah. People love gossip. Yeah. Um, I it, don't think there's any gossip to be had here. He's gone out for a few beers. And what? I think let live. It's his character a little bit as well. Like I think that's what makes him a bit of a target. If you hear him in an interview, he's very honest and very. He's just like talking to. He's not media trained as as much as the other guys are. There's a bit of character about him, and we mentioned before about you know people getting um, the English culture of knocking people off the perch. It also happens when one of our own is successful. Like there's so many English footballers, and as soon as they get a bit of success and a bit of hype and a bit of attention around them there's always the media then just start to go for them and jealousy it's, I it's, think, it's yeah. completely self-sabotage but I he's, think he's the latest one but there's no harm done Roger's quotes are perfect on this I think he says we're supposedly in this world where everyone cares rubbish the first thing they do is try and stitch you up I agree with you there Brendan uh, and he also says there's something framed around him he'll have to live with that but that's someone else's narrative Again, I agree. I think the media are kind of picking on him. Mm. And he also goes on to say, this is a 23-year-old boy who's single and he's been given a week off. I mean, come on. Who hasn't been to a nightclub when you've been given a week off work or whatever? 
you know, I just don't understand it. I don't understand. They're still normal people. They just seem to be a lot richer than everyone else. And a very That's, talented footballer as well. Exactly. You don't yeah. want to spoil that by doing whatever it is, some kind of character assassination in the press. Yeah, it doesn't help things. Right, that's it for Football Social Daily today. Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And get on social media. Tell us about your favourite football partnerships for Valentine's Day on tomorrow's podcast. We'll discuss them then at The Sports Social on Twitter. And you can find us on Facebook. Search The Sports Social there. See you next time. Football Social Daily with German gourmet doner kebabs made with our signature sauces. 